those who say that they know Him must walk as He walked. Those who worship the Lord, worship in spirit and truth. Those who say that they know Him must walk as He walked. He is the way and the truth, and in Him obey His word, then we walk in the light. He is the way and the truth, and in Him is the life. If we obey His word, then we walk in the How's everybody doing this morning? I need to find my controls. There we go. Uh, hopefully you're doing decent this morning. Sorry about the, the kind of lax, uh, laxity on the posts um, this morning and responding to all of you. Uh, so I will say your names uh, that have said good morning uh, here uh, to to all. And uh, from Don to Melody to Helene and Fran, Steve and Donna, Walter, good morning to all of you this morning and anybody else that's listening. Hey, we'd love to have you say good morning in the comment section, uh, whether you're on YouTube or Facebook, doesn't matter. Uh, if you're listening live, this is the Second day of February, uh, Friday, February 2, 2024, at 6 a.m. If you're listening in that window from 6 to 6.30, love to have you leave a comment. Uh, it does help us have a sense of community among us. 
And uh, if you're listening later on, well, just listen in and just know that I'm saying good morning to folks that are part of the live live audience, uh, live community that is a part of what we do here Monday through Friday, most Monday through Fridays. And uh, so uh, Walter commenting on the beard, thank you about the beard. Uh, this morning, I don't quite have the stash curled as much as I did yesterday. Got a little bit there. It doesn't, you can't quite see it as well uh, there um, uh, on the camera. I'd have to turn different sides and things. But yeah, it's, it's, uh, it, it, it's, it's truly a man's beard now at this point in time. So uh, I have a little fun with it, uh, growing it. And uh, uh, anyway, we're not here to talk about my beard. We're here to talk about the, the word. We're here to talk about the word. His name is Jesus, and we are in Luke chapter 9, and uh, I'm going to get us into Luke chapter 9 here. Here we go. We were in there yesterday, but we're picking up here at the feeding of the 5,000. Actually, uh, we can we can back up a little bit before that, verse nine, verses 7 through 9, telling us these things here. Now, here the Tetrarch heard all about that was going on. He was perplexed because some were saying that John had been raised from the dead. Now, uh, what had happened, John had been beheaded by Herod. So uh, now they're hearing about all these things that Jesus is doing, and, and so he is perplexed. Uh, others were saying Elijah had appears to others that one of the prophets of long ago had come back to life. But Herod said, I beheaded John. Who then is this I hear such things about? and tried to see him. Just that little statement there gives a little bit of historical context of the time uh, in which Jesus was living, and just a a little footnote about what happened to John. He says, I beheaded John, John the Baptist. We're talking about John the Baptizer. Uh, And yet Jesus is doing all these phenomenal things. So the question is, who, who is this man who is doing all of these things? We pick up in verse 10, it says, when the apostles returned, they repeated to Jesus what they had done. Now, remember, the the previous verses before verse 7 talked about how he sent them out. And it's interesting here in in chapter 9, we'll get a report of the 12, and then when we get into chapter 10, we'll get a report from the 84 and what their experiences were. Now, what if, just what if, church services were less about hearing a preacher uh, and more about reporting on what God did that week in people's lives. It ought to be that way. I'm just saying, uh, hold me back. If, if, if should I pastor another church, uh, there, there are things that uh, I will do differently. And, uh, I, I love my church, uh, Grateful for my church, but I would do things differently. Uh, I, I would not allow myself to be moved from from what are growing deeper core convictions. And one of the things would be to be pushing on people: what's God doing in your life? You got to talk about what God's doing in your life. That is one of the things uh, I would I would absolutely do. The second thing that I would do in the life of of a church, if if I would pastor, and I don't care how big the congregation is, I don't care if it's five. Or 5,000, I I don't care if I would ever pastor again. Uh, Corporate prayer is going to be a part of of what would happen. 
and uh, I'm just not a pastoral prayer. Pastoral prayers are, prayers are great. I did them for way too many years. I, I'm repenting of of all of that, and uh, I, I would be telling people, look, we're going to break out. We're going to pray. We're Christians. We should pray. Uh, and I, I can hear some people. This is what kept me from it. Uh, some people say, well, uh, it makes me uncomfortable. Grow up. That's what I would say. It's time to grow. Listen to somebody else pray then. Uh, just be going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, amen, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Don't, you don't have to pray. Be in agreement with prayer and somebody else prays. And uh, that's the second thing that I would do. Uh, the the third uh, a third thing. Well, anyway, I, I could go on. Uh, this all comes out of me. This one phrase here, where it says, "When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done." Uh, there should be the reports. Now, what what types of things could be reported? What one of the things is we should be encouraging each other to be evangelists. You say, well, I, I don't know how. Well, that's another thing I would do differently. Let's train the church how to share Christ with people, not how to invite them to church. That's all well and good. But, folks, that is a very low bar Just saying. I guess I'm fired up this morning. And uh, um, we need to teach people and then be in relationships with each other in the body of Christ where we're praying for each other for the opportunities and the ability to share Christ with other people. So to, to come back into church on Sunday, let me tell you what God did this week. Be an example. You know, I, I got to talk to this person about Christ and, or, or I, 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 I started building relationship. I didn't talk anything about Jesus, but I started building a relationship with this person and, uh, uh, you know, we, we talked about their business. We talked about their, their mother. We talked about, uh, all kinds of things, but we, we began building a relationship and I want to keep building that relationship, relationship, cultivating the relationship so that some point in time I can plant the seeds of the gospel. You might be able to report on that. But folks, if we had, uh, if we had that type of expectation that we'd every week be reporting in instead of saying, well, it's okay if you don't have anything to share. It's okay if you don't have anything that you learn from God's word this week. It's okay. And it's not okay. It is not okay. Not at all. And, uh, so I, I just want to encourage you that, that, uh, uh, we need to, we need to pick it up and, uh, do more in the next church. Should I pastor one? That's what I will do. In fact, I'm going to be pressing on the education at New England Bible College that let's not go to the low bar. Let's go to the higher bar. And the higher bar isn't, you know, uh, better books. That's part of it. Sure. Read great books. You know, I met with uh, Jake Ojala this past week. Had a great time. I love meeting with Jake. Uh, When I don't lead our discipleship group, Jake does. And when Jake doesn't, then Aaron does. But, but, um, and he's part of a book reading group. It's fantastic, and they're great books. But it's more than that. It has to be more than that. So here I am. All this preaching that I'm giving to you, and uh, here you go. It says, when the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. We are now a good 10 minutes at least into this broadcast. And I am stuck on just this idea of them reporting what they had done. It says, then he took them with him and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. Bethsaida. 
but the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God, and he healed those who needed healing. So he's speaking, he's healing. It says late in the afternoon, the 12, notice it's capitalized, meaning these 12 apostles came to him and said, send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because they are in a remote place. So, I mean, they're, they're out away from it all. They're, they're out in this remote place. And uh, the, the disciples are trying to have um, have some situational awareness. Uh, some emotional intelligence about them, and, and so they're saying, "Hey, these people, these people need something to eat, and it's warm, and you know they're going to be dehydrated, and you know we, we need to make sure that that, that they get something." And um, okay, but then he replies to them, "This he says, you give them something to eat.'" They answered, we only have five loaves of bread and two fish. Uh, unless we go and buy food for all, uh, unless unless we go and buy food for all this crowd. It says about 5,000 men were there. Somebody had tallied up the people. It says, but he said to the disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. The disciples did so, and everybody sat down, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven. He gave thanks and broke them. He broke the bread. He broke maybe the smoked fish, the dried fish. He gave them to the disciples to set before the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. Now, how many did they start with? Go back up. We Verse 13, we only have five loaves of bread and two fish. Five loaves and two fish. Groups of 50. I mean, there's all kinds of little things that we can pull out of this section of Scripture. One is someone did the count. I mean, do the math. I mean, do, do an assessment. What's it going to take? And, and, and so somebody... Uh, one of the, the apostles had it within them to kind of try to size up the size of the crowd. Now, in that day, and why it says about 5,000 men were there, and it's specific men. It isn't like a, a, a neutered word. It specifically means men. They were only counting the men. And then, and then going from there, uh, they would add up and say, well, then, then there's children and there's women. And so 5,000 men plus their family may be a way that they would say that. So, you know, there's an estimation here that there were probably fifteen to 20,000 people uh, at Bethsaida who were listening to him. Uh, a large, large, large crowd of people, even if it, even if it was only the 5,000, just 5,000, if that's it. Even if the, the the number included women and children, still 5,000 people with uh, five loaves of bread and two fish, we're going to feed all of them. And, and, and you know, it isn't like we're going to give them each a little, little nibble, take a little nibble off the bread, take a little, take a little, just a little flake off the fish. No, notice what it said. 
in verse 17. It says, they all ate and were satisfied. They were satisfied. And then you notice what was left over. Now, there's there's management in here because he put them in groups of 50. So there's some management taking place here. He has them sit down because he knows it's going to be more than just, you know, he, they, they ate until they were satisfied. It was more than just a little nibble, like one little, you can have just one little crumb of bread. That's all. No, they were satisfied. And, and how much the disciples picked up and gave to them. That is how much. I mean, they picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. Friends, for me, this this particular story uh, has, has become kind of a, a centerpiece for me in how I'm moving toward living my life. And I, I want to tell you, it's hard. It isn't easy. Uh, it, it isn't easy uh, saying, okay, the Lord is going to give me enough for what I need when I need it. I'll give you an example. Uh, I have a trip coming up in May. I'll be in South Africa. And uh, my my plane ticket uh, for my travel is about $1,200. And so uh, yesterday uh, I heard from somebody that uh, a check had arrived for you'll never guess it $1200 now I haven't haven't quite booked the flight yet but to me that's just a confirmation it's like I'm looking at prices then I get a text message hey a, a check has arrived uh, in in your concentric account for you and and to the person who did that thank you praise God but how things lined up earlier in the day I'm looking at the plane prices and thinking, okay, uh, you know, I got to get this booked. And then to see that the Lord had seen fit some days prior to arrange it, that on the very day I'm looking at my plane tickets to go to meet all of our, this isn't a big meeting of 265 leaders. These are the core leaders, uh, about 25 leaders from around the globe as we, we meet together and, and conspire together for things for the kingdom, uh, just how God took care of that. And I wasn't even thinking about that till this morning. And it's like, wow, you know, I was looking at that earlier. And then I got this message saying that this happened and I got thinking about the price. Wow. See, the Lord taking care of things. And uh, so... You know, uh, I I just hope that when the person who who did that finds out that, that they'll be blessed and moved to to know that story. And uh, so, anyway, uh, now I want to share with you a, a mosaic. Uh, I don't think I've shared this mosaic before. It kind of relates to this story, uh, and here it is. This is my mosaic. This is what I have on my phone uh, lock screen and home screen is this mosaic right here. Uh, and this mosaic is, there's, there's two things going on here. I mean, it, it's at the Sea of Galilee. Uh, this mosaic, the picture of this mosaic is taken at the place where it is taught. It may not be actual, but where it's taught that Jesus um, 
reinstated Peter, uh, where where Jesus had the, the breakfast in John twenty one with uh, with with the disciples, and he reinstated Peter. Did I say John? Where he reinstated Peter, John twenty one, uh, and says, "Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me?" And and you know, it feed my sheep, feed my lambs, care for my sheep. Those those excuse me, those words that we read in, in John chapter twenty one. Uh, and so at the north end of the Sea of Galilee uh, uh, is a spot that has this mosaic. There's a church there, and you know that's what's taught. But I saw this mosaic, and I went, this is what God is calling me to in my life. I mean, the boat, the Sea of Galilee, the colors, the Sea of Galilee, the boat. I mean, you can also think of Jesus walking on the water and thinking about Peter getting out of the boat, walking on the water. Uh, taking place here at the Sea of Galilee, but then also, and there are two different feedings, uh, and uh, so you have the feeding of the 5,000 at Bethsaida, and the the two fish and, and the five loaves, and this reminder that a basket full came back. This is a reminder to me of faith. This is a reminder to me of where the Lord is saying to me, you can trust me. He's saying to you, you can trust him. Uh, earlier in, in the passage in, uh, in Luke 9, we had read about how he sent them out. And let me go back to this and, and show you this and bring these things together. In verse 2, he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God to heal the sick. Verse 3 says, take nothing for your journey, no staff, no, no bag, no bread, no tunic, no money. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome, if peepers, right? If people do not welcome you, shake the dust off your feet when you leave that town as a testimony against them. So they went out village to village, preaching the gospel, healing people everywhere. Now you, you take that when he's giving them the instruction to go out and then you jump down to verse, verses 10 through 17 and you read about Jesus feeding the 5,000. He is giving them a lesson, and then later on when, when he invites Peter to walk, get out of the boat and walk on the water, there are lessons in trust. Now, the first thing is we need to align our lives with him. We need to be doing the things he wants us to do. I mean, the, the most important question I think for the believer to be asking is, Lord, what do you want from me? What do you want me to do? And, and that can be a general sense of direction for your life. Uh, or it, it can be, you know, what do you want me to do today, Lord? Uh, and being a follower of Jesus is where we let his thoughts be our thoughts, where we let his words be our words, where we let, you know, his, his views be our views. How does he look at things? Uh, when we, uh, being a follower of Jesus is when we let uh, his works be our works, when we let his priorities be our priorities, we let his values be our Values, and we let his character be impressed upon our character. Friends, when we're living in that way, then I believe we can really take to heart that this is a Jesus we can trust. If he can take care of your salvation, if he had the ability to take care of the salvation for everybody who's ever lived, currently lives, or will live, if he has that ability, and what he did on the cross is that weighty and that significant and that powerful, if he is actually raised from the dead, do you not think he can take care of you today? 
you're not, do you not think he can take care of your needs today? He can. Now you might not feel it. Now there might be areas in your, uh, in, in your life, uh, where you're not aligned and, and you're having a hard time. I, I just want to challenge you with these words because they're the words of scripture. And, you know, I, I'm not the one that has to make them work. Jesus does. But the two words, trust me. Where do you need to trust him today? Where do you need him to provide fishes and loaves for you today? Where do you need to trust him to step out of your comfort zone and take the gospel to somebody else today? Where do you need to trust him to uh, to take whatever step of faith it is the Lord's asking you to take and take that step of faith today? He proves in the feeding of the 5,000 that he is a Jesus we can trust. We can trust him to meet our needs. Now, he might not meet all of our wants. You know, I... I he, you know, I, I I drive a car. The paint's peeling off my car. I'm I'm not complaining about that. I, I it's it's one of those things, you know. But I could be saying, Lord, I'd like to have a new car, and I like it to be such and such a color. Well, He might not give you the color car you want. I, I remember a local friend of ours one time was telling the story that he and his wife and daughters needed a vehicle, and they prayed, and the daughter prayed very specifically. The little girl prayed very specifically for a, a silver vehicle, and I remember the story. And uh, if God didn't give them a silver, he was in ministry. If God didn't give them a silver vehicle, and it was it wasn't just a car that they could barely fit into as a family, he gave them a minivan. I remember the story. Remember who said it? Remember hearing the story? I'm not going to say who it was, but somebody here right in Belfast, pastor, and and someone gave them that silver car. I'm not going to bank on God giving me a car at all. I've got a car. It runs fine. is isn't the prettiest anymore, but it runs fine. gets great gas mileage. God might not say, okay, you get a new car. God might say, keep fixing the car. You keep driving the car. You take the car to the body shop this spring. You have to do some body work on it. Keep it going because that's economical and it's, it's kingdom friendly and, and all those types of things. But you know what? You might be pressed with something like a rent. You might be pressed with with something like basic necessities of, of food. You might be pressed with something like um, a medical bill. I want to invite you today to trust Jesus with whatever it is. Uh, you, you you might be needing to trust Him in a relational conflict. You you might need to be trusting Him to to watch somebody change their attitude enough. To, to let you get them into a drug treatment program. The right kind, not one that's offered by the state and in a hospital, but one like Calvary Chapel runs up in, in Bangor. You might need to trust him for that. And I, I want to encourage you. And sometimes we have to keep praying. Sometimes we pray and we pray and we pray. Sometimes we're not aligned enough yet. We're, we're praying on the one hand the right thing, but yet God is trying to get us to do something else and we're not listening. He's saying, okay, until you listen up, until you adjust your life, until you, I'm not going to answer that prayer. This story, the feeding of the 5,000, reminds us that we can trust Jesus. We have a Jesus we can trust. I want to encourage you to bring your needs to him today. I want to encourage you to bring your, your burdens to him today. 
I want to encourage you to renew your, your confidence and your faith in him today and bring to him whatever that need might be. Lord, whatever our needs, we come before you acknowledging your ability to meet every one of our needs. You, you have the ability to meet our wants if you, if you desire to, Lord. But Lord, I, I pray for the variety of needs represented here in, in this broadcast, whether it's the live half hour or later on. Help people to trust in you, whether it's for salvation for all eternity or whether it's salvation for their day, uh, whether it's uh, trust you with their daily needs. If you can take a few fish and a few loaves of bread and feed 15,000 people with plenty to spare, what can you do for us? Lord, today we trust you. Hear our prayer in Jesus' name. See you next week.